Welcome back to the HVACR Radio Podcast. Tonight we have Tyler Ramos from SCS Tracer on, and I've also got the usual suspects, Ruben. What's going on, everybody? Ulysses. How's it going? And Chad. Hi. What have you guys been doing this week? Ruben? Uh, just working. Um, oh, that's super interesting, man. Yeah, just, uh, just trying to survive, but uh, I do have a pretty neat little incident that happened at work. Um, so we have this large walk-in freezer that's pretty big. It's got four big evaporators in it. Small. and um, That's small. It, dude, that is long. That's tiny, dude. Okay, okay, hold on. For the supermarket world, it's pretty big. Oh, okay. Not okay. industrial. All right, we'll give you that, but right. it's not, not that big. So it has four evaporators, and um, I'm not going to say how it got on there, but there was water built up on the fan blades like ice and it became <laughs> ice because it is a freezer that's what happens what temperature does this freezer run at uh it's negative 10 so the the water droplets that were on the blades froze over threw everything off balance and you had four large evaporators shaken violently so they call in the service call we go out there we have to shut the fans off, uh, clear all the ice, but uh, the damage was already done. One of the evaporators actually broke the uh, the fan blades. Hold on. Well, one of the evaporators actually broke off the fan blades, and it was so off balance that it actually broke the motor um, oh, bracket. Yep. Yeah, seen that, so we had to isolate that motor and. Uh, um, we were just kind of hoping that there was no. Uh, no vibration caused uh, cracks on the copper. So once we had all four uh, coils um, cleared up and everything was running, we ran a leak check, a uh, leak detector in there. We picked nothing up. And sure enough, the next day we get a call at that store with a 0% liquid level on the rack and go back out there. And sure enough, there's a somehow there's this massive crack on the suction line and it's spewed out all the refrigerant in that rack and uh, a bunch of oil we had oil on the product oil on the fan blades on the shroud on everywhere so luckily that was was the most yellow oil i think i've ever seen yeah i thought well if it does or doesn't i don't know but that's (laughs) either confirmed (laughs) yeah i i know we don't use that but uh, it, it was pretty bad. Um, I shouldn't say it lost all the gas. We added about 400 and something pounds, and we were able to get it up to like 30% liquid level. So I'm pretty sure it still had a lot of refrigerant, but it was enough to lose everything in the in the receiver and probably going out to the cases. <laughs> what What do you think caused all that ice build up? Really? Bro. <laughs> Deep cross termination? That. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, human error, maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, human error might have something to do with it, but uh, I won't go into details. Yeah, Makes don't sense. throw anybody under the bus here. Yep. Under the short sure. bus. <laughs> under the short bus. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move on to Ulysses now. What'd you do? Uh, yesterday, me, Chad, Cameron went out to uh, a slaughterhouse. Yesterday? I mean, Monday. Monday. Sorry, sorry, Monday. I get, we if work you work on, on a day? holiday, my days get all jacked up. So Monday, we <clears throat> made sure this ammonia system was running top-notch. Uh, it's an older system, 
about 40 years old, maybe older. And then what I do, I went back today to change out. Um, I actually made a YouTube video about it. Changed uh, out a contactor. The fans were staying on during defrost. And I guess it was technically heating up the room when it was going into defrost because uh, the fans weren't shutting off and there was a bunch of ice build up on that. Is that a hot gas defrost? Yes, it is okay. hot gas. So pretty much kind of like a, I would imagine like a heat pump heating up that room. I mean, I'm just trying to think of what would make that room that hot. And that makes sense to me. But what else? Today, water leak on a large, large coil, larger than Rubens. Um, I need a scissor lift, but I'll have to go back there. And then what I do this morning? I forget what I do. Boiler. Boiler, yeah. We went out to this uh, clinic, and I'm no boiler tech, but... Gave me a clinic. (laughs) But we figured it out. Um, The door wasn't on right. (laughs) Something so simple. So you're a boiler tech now. Yes, certified. Certified certified. boiler tech. Very nice. John. Monday, I was with Ulysses and Cameron, figuring all that stuff out. Yesterday, um, was going to do a real easy PM. Uh, got a phone call at one of our ammonia accounts that the customer had walked into the ammonia room and couldn't breathe. It's great. Um, got That's there. Yeah, got there. Did he walk um, back out? <laughs> yeah, I think he ran out. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, just make like sure he yeah, made it no, out. Yeah, he he ran out and locked the door. Um, got there and my suction pressure was super high. It was eighty five psi. Um, my high stage compressor was off. And my liquid pump for the recirculator was, well, is very old, and it was leaking ammonia out of it. So I uh, pumped oil into it to try to get it to stop, but I couldn't get it to run because I didn't have any compressor. Found out that the um, oil pump on the compressor, the coupling, the spider had failed, and the coupling had basically eaten itself um, sheared off all the teeth on one side of the coupling and damaged the motor side. So had to swing a compressor back to the high side, bring that pressure down. And uh, so that, that took a little while to bring it down um, as far as it could. It went from 85 PSI to 45 uh, while I could get the parts to repair the, um, or to get the other compressor up and running. And once that was up and running, um, the leak stopped and, it was all okay until we can get uh, that seal replaced on that recirculator pump. So, um, how did the spider gear eat itself if the teeth were gone? <laughs> it wasn't that hungry. <laughs> hey, well, no, the spider gear <laughs> blew apart, uh, and then the teeth, but the teeth were gone. So, how did it eat itself? Like gum? No, only half like the teeth gum. were gone. Okay, so it still could eat. Yes, gotcha. So that was a that was an interesting Tuesday. And today, um, just diagnosing a unit that wasn't running at one of our accounts, it ended up that uh, we had recent, not recently, it's been a little while now, we installed a KE2 Temp Plus air defrost, and they had been washing it down um, when they do their 
their cleaning at night, so it fried the KE2, so I had to replace that. And then drove probably about an hour and got denied access to a, a site um, uh, because of scheduling issues. So that was pretty much my day. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. You guys told all my stories. Family? Oh, what about you? I got new boots. <laughs> new boot goofing. Is that why you're in sandals right now? Uh, new boots scooting. I was new boot goofing today. What kind of boots? The Timberland Pros. I did, went back. Did you get the high tops or the medium? The medium ones. Not the boondocks. The, uh, they're like composite toe. Um, I don't know what. They're ridge, ridge workers or something like that. They're like these? Negative. No. They are not like those. They look pretty nice. I mean, I thought so. Did you at least get them dirty? Yeah. A little bit. Walked through the, the grass and we're working on the boiler. And then I worked on the boiler yesterday. I had That was kind of weird because that's what threw me off. And it ended up just being the door. But when I first got there, the, the draft motor wasn't running. And I was getting like 110 volts at the plug. And then as soon as I would plug the plug in, my 110 volts would go away and the motor wouldn't start. So Where did it go? Away. <laughs> it probably went over there that far, spider with half far the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably somewhere. At least it still got had eight. half the teeth. It got eight. Got eaten. Got eaten. Got got eaten. <laughs> so I don't know where it was going. Actually, I mean, I think it was just probably backfeeding because was it breaking common? Because I, I maybe it, maybe that one contactor does. I don't really know actually, but we I changed the capacitor on the motor because it was like reading five and a half microfarads on a twelve and a half microfarad capacitor, and that obviously didn't do anything. But I just hooked up the motor to one ten. It's a one ten motor, so I just hooked it up to an outlet and it ran so i was like okay well it's not the motor luckily and this is a boiler that we're we're about to replace anyway within like a week so i wasn't trying to spend a whole bunch of the customer's money on a unit that we were about to trash so but they need it running but they need it running for their operation so then we went back out there this morning and testing the pressure switches and stuff and finally just figured out that the seal on the door wasn't wasn't good enough and so the pressure switch wasn't closing so it actually ended up being a pretty easy fix, but at first it was kind of throwing me for a loop on that voltage deal. That's That'll about that. it. Yeah. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're doing pretty good. So you've been down in San Antonio this week? Been in San Antonio, been doing some uh, on-site training, and uh, that's that's my primary function with uh, SES Tracer. Um I do. We do a lot of different things, but uh, training is uh, one of the most enjoyable parts of uh, of our job. So, yeah, we love training over here. We don't get to do enough of it, actually. <laughs> you got you guys got any uh, day to day stories you can talk about from this week? Well, um, this week we're doing a little bit something different um, in the training. In that um, we are we we typically and uh, do use. Rita material, and so we are teaching out of the Rita uh, industrial refrigeration one this week. And um, but the the difference is, is is that this is an industrial site um, that's using um, five hundred seven instead of ammonia. Uh, so uh, it's a refrigeration course for ammonia, and and of course Rita material is a refrigeration course either way. Um, it just doesn't model their application very well because they're using the same type of equipment that we use in industrial refrigeration for ammonia. Um, so, 
uh, it's kind of been an interesting week and uh, get to play with a little 507 instead of uh, my normal ammonia stuff. So they're using 507, but are they? Uh, I've seen a 507 systems before that were using like uh, Frick screws or whoever, you know, GA screws, whoever it is. But are they using screw compressor packages and things like that that are typical in ammonia? Screw compressors, yes. Screw compressors, recirculation packages, everything like you'd see in the industrial uh, ammonia systems. Okay, and you traveled down there on site with them? Yes, yes. Oh, nice. Uh, the, the, the other kind of a thing that they have going on is everything that they do from here on out will be ammonia either way. So um, this, this facility, any expansions will go to ammonia and stuff. So um, they needed to learn about the chemical too. So let's give, I don't know if everybody that listens to the podcast has an idea of what is involved in uh, ammonia operator training or how they get into the ammonia industry. So I think, uh, if, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a little bit of uh, maybe a divide there between uh, operators that work in a facility full time and they, they go to one place for their employment versus service technicians that travel from a facility to facility and work on different ammonia systems. So are, are the people that you're primarily seeing, are they operators that work in a facility and they're being trained by that facility, or are you working more with uh, service technicians? So um, the, uh, the operators uh, that are part of the facility um, and their management really have never had any uh, training. A couple of them have been through HVAC schools, um, which I'm not saying anything bad, but they don't teach industrial style things. Sure. Um, they teach commercial and residential. And so when you get industrial, everything's bigger, everything's spread out. And so we apply all the refrigeration stuff that they would learn in HVAC school to an industrial plant and, and the different components that you would have added on. So these are all operators. Um, their service contractor actually is the one that asked me to come in um, so that, you know, they don't rely, have to rely on him as much for some of the, the smaller things so they can get an understanding of what they're doing. Oh, okay, cool. So that was set up through the service contractor. That's, that's, uh, that's neat that they brought you guys in to do that for them. So, um, yes, then that's a very common thing for um, the, the, the SCS Tracer group because um, our unique uh, uh, aspect is that we do um, compliance uh, of the OSHA and EPA regulations, um, and we do training, but we don't do service. So if a contractor asked us to come in, um, they don't have to worry about us taking, trying to take over their service business because that is not in our, our, uh, uh, that's not what we do. So. Yeah, we've, we've used SCS Tracer quite a bit too. I mean, uh, we have a West Coast office that, um, we have an engineer that works out of and he, he's worked close with some of the, uh, the, uh, staff out there with PSM compliance and getting new startups, uh, documentation and all that together yes yes um so we do we do a lot of the the the, the dual things so so what would you say if uh 
a technician or somebody was interested in ammonia, how would they get started with the training? Do they typically get hired first and then the facility sends them through that training or do they seek out that training on their own? So they, they have choices um, and they can seek out that training on their own. Um, it, it generally, if they are um, not already employed um, and that would end up becoming um, uh, maybe a little bit of a, a, a burden on them financially. Um, so um, for the majority of it, of our training people, um, they are already working for a facility or they are a service person for a contractor and the company is, is getting them training uh, so that they can excel at their job. Um which most companies want to train them anyway. And uh, so the, the, the more you train your employees and the better they are, the less work it is for you as a company. Um, you know, maintaining is, is, is a lot cheaper than fixing once it's broke down. Sure, and liability is also uh, very huge in our industry as well. So any documentation you can have that somebody was actually trained on their job would, is very helpful, I would think. So, yes, and, and so um, just as an example, um, both OSHA and EPA regulations require training for operators um, of ammonia facilities um, through the uh, PSM, Process Safety Management and Risk Management Plan. Um, so that has to happen at, at a minimum every three years and then some initial training. Um, so majority of what our training is is, what we call overview of the process for that uh, requirement um, and getting them an understanding of how the refrigeration process works. Uh, so when we do an operator course, say an, uh, uh, an operator one out of Rita uh, Industrial Refrigeration One, that, um, that, that gets that initial portion. Um, and so then as they continue their education, uh, and move up to what we call the uh, the IR2 or the Industrial Refrigeration Operator 2, uh, that will get them to more of a understanding of the different specific components, um, specifically evaporators and types of systems, and how to troubleshoot um, those systems based on the theory of refrigeration uh, and that understanding. Um, where we get to, like your level, the service type thing, um, we're rolling out our operator three, um, which will come out of industrial refrigeration three, which is um, designed towards the service people or the maintenance people in a facility that are actually replacing parts, fields, um, and things like along that line. That's one of the newer certifications that's come out of RITA recently. Is that right, it's the Certified uh, uh, Refrigeration Service Technician or CRST exam um, is what we are. Uh, it's it's primarily based on Industrial Refrigeration 3. Um, very much like the two book is, is based on uh, uh, its primary uh, component for um, the certified industrial refrigeration operator, and one is the assistant refrigeration operator. 
So that kind of is how that progression of the Rita books go along with their certifications. Um, there's more material that goes into the certification exams, but these are the primary areas that we're looking at. Um, and uh, the, the nice thing about Rita, though, that uh, they, they expect you to retain that information from the first and second book when you're at the third book. So you could see questions from any of those books, including the electrical book. So um, the, you're looking at, at the higher you go, the, uh, the, the further, the f- more, more knowledge you got to retain. <laughs> gotcha. And I think real quick, oh, before we get too f- much further into it, we should probably define the uh, RETA. That's the Refrigerating Engineers and Technicians Association. And I think at this point, they're the predominant certification provider for the ammonia industry. And you guys are basing your uh, operator classes off of that material, right? Yes, um, we do add uh, some material to it, you know, as a supplement. But yes, the uh, Rita material is our base, um, and uh, they are also our education portion of the ammonia system. Um, so when you look at um, Rita's seal, it says education, efficiency, development around that seal. Um, so we focus on on the education part, but then. That also gets into the efficiency and, and development of your employees as well. Um, we uh, SCS Tracer has always been very highly involved with RETA. Um, we have uh, three RETA authorized instructors, or RAI, of which I am one of them. Um, uh, and then I have a, 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 a co-worker, Eric that is also an RAI, and then uh, Gene is also an RAI. Um, so uh, they, the quality of training we base on the third party of Rita as well to say we know how to instruct other than our experience. Um, so that, that also kind of helps lend us towards uh, getting that education out there. So- so whenever a new technician comes, uh, starts going through courses, the operator one, operator two, if they get their operator one or operator two certificate from SCS Tracer, does that mean that they have a RETA certif- certification at that point, or did it, uh, is that just getting them to the point where they would take a KRO or a zero certification? So it, it'll get them to the point where they could do a RETA KRO or zero or CRST. Um, we do a couple of review courses based on, you know, um, getting an understanding and refreshing everything from the operator course if they want to just focus on that um, to get their exam. But um, anyone that takes our IR1 or our operator 1 is basically has all the information that they need to go forward with the KRO. Um and then uh, typically an operator, too, if they need to, uh, if they are going to take that, we'll spend a little time with electrical um, in addition just to make sure uh, that they have that understanding. But other than that, they are pretty much ready to go. And I think there's a, a tr- an experience component to the RETA certifications, the KRO. You can take it any time, but I, I believe the CERO, you're supposed to have two years of verified ammonia 
operator experience at that point, something like that. Is that right? Well, they just want refrigeration experience. So um, sometimes you'll find that people that have been like industrial HVAC, um, you know, halocarbon, that as long as they've got the refrigeration experience and it's signed off, yes, they can do that. Um, but primarily, most of the people that do that is ammonia. But they're just looking for refrigeration experience. Okay, good. I thought I was like breaking the rules whenever I took mine at two years without any ammonia experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to know that I'm in the clear. Rita's not going to come after me. Our our um our our focus is and and if you took that zero exam, um, um that it, it's challenging and to try and throw a new person with very little experience into a situation like that. Um, is almost setting them up for failure um, without that two years experience. You need some industry experience or some experience with the refrigeration systems to even think about taking that test, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. I think Chad had a question for you real quick. So, go ahead. Hey, Tyler. Chad here. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Um I, I was wondering if you can give us a rundown on what is taught in the classes on sort of a day-to-day basis, um, you know, when you guys are putting on your your uh, trainings. So um, on a standard training, um, that would be either um, at an SES office or at a, a facility or, or a conference room kind of a thing, um, we typically, um, most of your Rita books have around 10 chapters. So we typically will cover um, at least three chapters a day um, and then work on some of the, the questions and then also um, whatever tools that we have available, uh, depending on where we're at, um, as far as like um, valve cutaways and things like that, if we have that type of a thing there, um in, in available, then we'll kind of cover that as we hit those areas. Um, and that will vary depending on where you take your training. Um, so sometimes when you travel, that's kind of hard to bring stuff. But if you're at an office that, that already's got it, then it's easy to do. So when you guys are on site at a plant, do you guys have hands-on within the plant or is it, you know, is it more of just a visual type deal? So the nice thing about going to somebody's facility and being plant specific is we will do whatever hands on that they require. And that's where we call like more of a customization of their training. So when we talk about say the different types of compressors and, and what compressors they have, we'll travel to their machine room um, we'll get an understanding of everything that they have on that package. Um, the same thing with evaporators and the same thing with condensers. Um, and, of course, your metering devices go along with your um, with your evaporators. So we, we do go through the whole thing. And most of the time, these companies will um, share with us their uh, drawings. So... When um, we go through these different components, we'll look at their piping and instrumentation diagrams. And then when we get out to that component, we've already got an idea of this is this and this is that. So this was on paper. This is in real life. Um, so 
getting them that understanding, and especially as a new person, sometimes that can be a little intimidating by looking at a drawing and then going out there and it, you know, it's not on paper anymore. Yeah, that's right, real life. right. Yeah. Well, um, what would you say is your, I guess, percentage as to conference room to actually being on a site um, for your guys' trainings throughout the year? Well, um, this year, um, on site, <laughs> it's been a little difficult. Huh? Went greatly above, greatly above com- our conference rooms. Um, because as of right now, we're doing virtual or online training, live online training. Um, and so, uh, that's just based on, um, on using a platform like zoom or life size to do that. So, um, any in-person training we've done has been on site. So we've done a quite a bit more this year than what we normally would. Um, mostly because of this whole pandemic thing, um, and 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 like a lot of companies are not allowing their people to travel yet, so it's hard to get them to get to come to a place whenever they can't travel. So, are you guys limiting your uh, the number of students in each class right now because of COVID? We do social distancing, so um, and uh, we wear masks during class um, typically. Uh, like unless it's a big enough room, <laughs> yeah, like the ammonia um, <laughs> respirator, <laughs> we'll get you fit tested. <laughs> just, just and... <laughs> regular mask. Uh, it's hard to talk with those on. So, <laughs> That'd um, be a bad class. Got to get yeah. used to it. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing I already figured out is wearing a mask and lecturing all day. Um, by the end of the week, my voice is gone. Well, you're going to probably um, have lungs and... of steel. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's it's. Because, um, you know, when you're talking through a mask, you feel like you're not talking. <laughs> so you try and talk louder. And so, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does definitely uh, put a strain on you. So, you know, this is a, that's the old curves that we have going on with uh, with this year. Um, but uh, but it, it's really enjoyable in uh, uh, getting to get understanding uh, from operators. I prefer to be at their facility. Um, and, and if we do refresher training for them, um, a lot of times our refresher training might not be based on Rita. It's more based on the requirements of let's go through your procedures and, you know, get an understanding of your procedures, doing a, a, an SOP review and, uh, and, and getting them professional development hours, uh, so they can hold their certifications, but ensuring that they 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 understand everything that they're doing specific in their class so okay that's 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 interesting because i I think if i remember off the top of my head rita requires 24 hours over three years for continuing education hours is that applied towards their rita yes so as as and and that's the 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 big thing about having um rais is Pretty much any training that they do, Rita will look at that as long as it's documented. We'll test um, whether we do it as a observation test or a written test. Um, we will have all that requirements for the regulations to go along with um, the RAI credentials for um, getting those PDHs, the professional development hours. 
So on top of the operator one and operator two classes, what other, um, I guess, services or classes? You're mostly in charge of the training aspect of it, right? Because I know SCS Tracer, like we mentioned, does some other services for the industry, but I think you're completely involved in the training aspect of it. Is that right? Well, I was hired for the training aspect of it, um, but um, I was also uh, – have the industry experience. I spent 26 years out in the beef and pork industry. Um, so, uh, my experience also allows me to do, uh, mechanical integrity inspections, um, and compliance audits every three years, um, and PHA revalidations. Um, and we have done, I, I've done a couple of, uh, uh, the complete programs from the process safety management, risk management side. Um, so the, the other thing that, um, I help with, uh, one of our, our coworkers that primarily came in to do ammonia detection and testing as well as training. So I'll do some ammonia detection calibrations and stuff like that to help him out as well. Okay, cool. So how many offices does SCS Tracer have uh, throughout the country? I guess specifically Um, for the training. So total offices SCS has, um, I believe, is around 32. You're asking me a tough question, but I think it's 32. (laughs) (laughs) We are all across the country. Um, We are all across the country. but our tracer division works out of the California offices of Carlsbad. Um, I work out of the Bedford, Texas or Dallas Fort Worth area office. Um, and then we have a general, a couple of guys that work out of the Minnesota office as well. So, um, we, um, but when we're like, say training in long beach we have an office there in long beach um and when we're training in florida we have an office in orlando that we can use um for our conference room so um we're pretty much all across the country we're in kansas city um we're in houston um and uh uh and our main office is in cincinnati ohio so we've done classes there too uh so in a normal year, we'll look at Washington State. We'll look at some in Ohio and Minnesota, of course. Dallas, as you all know, is real easy to get in and out of. So you can come anywhere you want into Dallas almost direct. So that works out really well for me being there. And that's one of the reasons why I'm there um, is, is it's really easy to get to. Yeah, that's why we love it. Go to DFW airport and it's one, one, one shot near where you want to be and come back, you know? So, so if, if people out there are looking for training from SCS, how can they find out more about the training programs? So our group is, uh, SCSengineers.com. And, um, if you go to, um, SCS engineers, um, we're going to be into the services of risk management and process safety management, and you will find our, um, our ammonia training. Um, so we have operator training, um, which we've been talking about. The custom training is, um, 
is is a little bit different. I kind of talked about where we can customize, but we can also create some custom training um, specific to your needs. So, um, so we developed a couple of things. So people will want to know. IAR2 2014 Addenda May just came out. I'd like to know what's changed, and I want to know what's in there. So we might spend a day or a day and a half on IAR2. Um, we let our customers choose that. IAR6, which is a new document that came out, if they want that, then um, we'll, we'll maybe spend a day on that. And how do we fill out um, the checklist, the former B109s, forms and stuff like that you know what has changed what do we need to do to do this um and and get an understanding on that or you know or or they have a component and we can provide that type of information through their manufacturers manuals we'll, we'll allow them to do those types of things and, the, and in the custom we also allow for electrical training um we also allow for uh, a one-day boiler training so we allow these guys, if they want us to come in for two or three days, pick and choose. Like, here's your menu. This is how long these take. You got three days. We'll, we'll fill it up with whatever you guys need as operation. A little a la carte training. Yep. And, uh, and, and then, of course, we do PSM and RMP training um, for the industry as well. <clears throat> for, for the managers and operators that are really interacting with it. Um, we'll customize that for the California uh, Accidental Release Prevention people, CalARP, and also for the uh, CAP program for Nevada and Washington and, and Oregon when we're, uh, depending on where the people are from, um, the state programs we've barely been, we focus on when we do them in their regions because most of the people are from that area. And they're really concerned about their state programs too yeah i can imagine that's a pretty important step to be compliant with all your local re regulations and as well as just having your training and things like that because you don't want to get fined from from anywhere right and and a lot of times you find that those state programs have some little things that are a um, little more technical than what the federal regulations require um, so you've got to make sure that they understand those changes or differences. Well, awesome. I think it's uh, been a great talk. We've been uh, appreciate you having or appreciate having you on here. And I think we'd be really interested in going over that uh, certified service technician training at some point. And maybe we can uh, go through that and, and then have you back on to, to talk a little bit more about that once we've gone through it ourselves. And if it's okay, we can you definitely focus on that. Um, I think we are going to do um, our first little um, training thing um, to uh, refresh on the information or to review some things on the information for the CRST. Um, we're looking at either the first of October or the first of November. Um, that's going to happen there in the DFW area, so we are working on towards uh, doing that to help with people like yourself that are contractors that are looking for that. Awesome, and I know I get a, I don't know how often it comes out, but I get the training schedules that come out, so if it's if it's okay with you guys, I'll, we'll post it up, and uh, people can find that on our, our Instagram or Facebook groups as well, so they can see the dates that are coming up and where you guys will be. 
uh, if they don't have a... That's a right. Well, I enjoyed it, and uh, any time that uh, you have questions about um, training or anything like that, we would more than well be more than happy to help out with that. And uh, I enjoyed being here, so thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Tyler. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks. Just wanted to give a big thanks to Tyler almost for being the first guest to come on the show and help us spread the word about ammonia refrigeration. This is a new setup for us, so we're going to continue to tweak the settings and see if we can clean up the audio a little bit for the future shows. We've had some great feedback from uh, listeners. If you want to follow what we're doing on a daily basis, you can follow us on Instagram at HVACR Radio. If you have show suggestions or want any more information about something we talk about in the show, you can do that in our Facebook group at HVACR Radio Podcast. Lastly, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on whichever platform you're using. It would help us out a great deal. This week, we should be talking glycol chillers with Damon from Pro Chillers. If you have any technical questions regarding glycol chillers, you can send an email to info at hvacrradio.com, and we'll do our best to get it answered. See you guys in the next one.